Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. Good morning. Glad that you're here this morning. Uh, we're uh, broadcasting here from Grace Life Church in Jemison, uh, Alabama. I'm glad that you're here and part of our service. And so if you're watching us, just uh, if you got something to write with, uh, need to get that, get something. Get, you know, you, when you come to church, you ought to have something to write with. And um, not because what I'm going to say is all majorly important. But how many know, how many ever been sitting in service? Now, I can tell you my side of it, because I've been doing this for a quarter century, which is 25 years plus. Of course, now I started when I was eight, you understand, I'm 20, I'm 32, so, and I was just kidding. But anyway, but I, I've had this happen to me so many times. People would come, you know, after the service or the next day or two, and they said, oh, Pastor, that helped me so much when you said so-and-so. That just changed my life. But I knew I never said that. And I thought, did I say that? And they said, oh, yeah, when you said this, this, and this, that really changed my life. And um, so I'd go back and even listen to the tape just to make sure. And, of course, I never did say it. I never did say it. But you know who said it? The Holy Spirit said it. Now, in the body of Christ, I'm my, you know, my office it would be pastor and teacher. And there's times that I guess, you know, Paul says, do the work of evangelists. So sometimes... You know, that that comes on me and may preach, but I'm not I'm not looking to preach. I love preaching. I love exhortation. But, uh, you know, when we're going to get the word, we need to be taught the word of God. You know, if you was going to take calculus and you was going to take a, a course and if they just if your instructor just screamed it out and hollered it out and spit in cotton, you'd have a hard time learning calculus that way, wouldn't you? Now, that, that does excite us, encourage us. But, but did we I want you to leave with something. I want you to be strong. I want you to have a word that will change your life. And so uh, uh, last week we talked about uh, uh, vision for our life, and today we're going to uh, go forward in that. And I'm uh, not going to take any time really to reiterate, uh, you know, to reiterate anything we did last week. It's on Facebook if you, if you can go back there and watch it. Or if you, you say, I don't have Facebook. Well, if you have a phone or a computer, you can uh, church websites. You can go there. You can go to SoundCloud. Uh, which is an audio way to listen to it, and you can listen to it audibly. You can download it into your phone or computer. If you don't know how to do that, ask an eight-year-old. They know how to do it. And uh, so, you know, sometimes even a six-year-old can get it done. Uh, but today we're going to talk about uh, vision once again, and we will be for a few weeks. And today is number two, and we're going to title this vision is the master key to success. And we're going to start in Proverbs chapter Four, if you'll go there, Proverbs chapter four, and we'll begin there this morning. Just want to let the church know, if uh, in um, in West Africa, Liberia, uh, if you're watching, and and um, to our son, the Lord, Sunday Guard Joe, that we we love you and the church, and the church family, and we have shown our church this morning the members here. Um, the pictures of the work that you did this week in the roof and, re, and remodeling the building and, 
uh, after the, uh, the rains. And so we're, we're well pleased and we're happy for, the, for what, you, what you've done and how you've done it. And so we're, uh, we're praying for you and we just believe your better days, good days and better days are here now and just ahead of you. Amen. So Proverbs chapter four. And let's just get in here with uh, verse uh, five, not verse four, verse four, Proverbs four, four. He said, he taught me also and said unto me, let your heart retain my words and keep my commandments and what? Live. Keep my commandments and live. The next verse five, get what? Say it real good. Get wisdom and get understanding and forget it not decline from the words of my mouth. So he said, tells us to get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget the wisdom nor the understanding. Don't neither do you should let it ever decline from the words of your mouth. Verse six, forsake her not still speaking about wisdom. For if you don't forsake wisdom, what, what happens here? She shall preserve you. If you love her, if you love wisdom, she shall keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all you're getting. Get understanding. Exalt her wisdom and she will promote you. And she'll bring you to honor when you embrace her. She shall give to your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. Shall she deliver in thee? Hear my son and receive my sayings and the years of your life shall be what? Shall be many. It sounds like wisdom comes with many promises. I have taught you in the way of wisdom and I have led you in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall be straightened and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her for she is your life. Amen. Now, there's three words here that and found here in different places in Proverbs and Proverbs chapter eight and 12. that talks about wisdom, talks about understanding and talks about knowledge. And uh, we're, our, our subject is vision. But I want us I want us to understand the importance of wisdom, knowledge and understanding, how that intertwines with the wisdom. And these three words are used to link together. And uh, once again, wisdom, knowledge and understanding. And Solomon understood the concepts of these. He, he understood them very well. And I think that's why he was uh, such an impactful uh, leader to his people. And he had such influence as a leader. So just briefly this morning, I'm going to cover this and we'll move forward. But let's just kind of dissect this thing for just a moment. We want to understand the difference between wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And knowledge, just to make it real simple, knowledge is information. Amen. That's what knowledge is. How, if you were here and you say, how do, how do I get to uh, Cracker Barrel? Can anybody give directions from here to clear Cracker Barrel? I could. Well, once you imparted that to someone, they'd have knowledge how to get there, right? So knowledge is important. It's information. But understanding is comprehension. Understanding is comprehension. And wisdom is the application. Knowledge is information, understanding is comprehension, and wisdom is application. That's why wisdom is absolutely supreme. We remember uh, wisdom is the principal thing. But see, you can know something, you can have knowledge, you can know something, but not understand it. 
Hmm? There's things I know I don't understand. I know how to crank an automobile, put the keys into it, but I don't have the understanding. If you ask me what all happens when you turn the key, what all has to engage for the motor to do what it does in a vehicle, I have no idea. There's a man in this room who could well explain that to you, but I'm not that guy. So I have, I have knowledge of what to do, and I have limited understanding of that subject. So we need, we need, we need the knowledge, we need understanding, uh, but then we need wisdom because it's supreme. So uh, you can understand something, but not apply it. In other words, you can have the knowledge and you can, you can have the understanding, but still not apply your understanding. That happens all the time. People hear, they understand, but they don't apply it. And when you hear the word of God, you can even have understanding of it. But when you don't apply what you hear, the knowledge that you gain and you don't apply it, you, you do not put wisdom into motion. And wisdom is the only thing that will exalt you and promote you. So <clears throat> you can understand it, but not apply it. So nothing's complete until it becomes wisdom. Or let's say it this way. Wisdom is knowledge understood and applied. Wisdom is knowledge understood and applied. That's why wisdom is more important than knowledge. They're all valuable. In other words, and, and don't get upset with me, I can pick anything. Uh, you could be a doctor. You could be a smoking doctor. And uh, if someone, and this doctor has, he has knowledge, but he has no wisdom. He can read as good as, good as I can read. I mean, I, I read inside that package for 10 years, so this could be harmful to your health. And I, I knew some people that was all the way to then. But see, I, I chose, but I was always going to quit tomorrow. Not today, tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> and my tomorrow's dragged on for 10 years. Well, <clears throat> the doctor would have the knowledge of the damage it could do to his body. He may have a better understanding than other people. So he has knowledge and he has understanding, but he has no wisdom because he's never applied them. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. So you can have knowledge of things and still kill yourself or destroy your own life. Because you're simply not applying the word. And that happens all the time. People come to church. They sit. They listen. They're good people. They love God. They're, gonna, they're going to heaven. They're, they're making notes. They're saying, amen, pastor. Praise God. Good message. But they don't go and they don't apply the knowledge and gain the understanding of it. So therefore, it never becomes wisdom to them. Therefore, their life never changes. Some people say, well, I'm... I, I believe this, but it's just not working for me. Well, you just told why it didn't work for you. You, you got to bring application to it. You say, well, I did that. No, no, listen. Jesus said, if you continue my word, not if you dabble in it, not if you try it at a time or two. You know, I, not so much the last few years, but uh, I became a pretty decent painter. <clears throat> you, know, you know where I learned how to paint? Pastoring. <laughs> I had the concept when I started, this is all you did in pastoring. And, it's, and, and uh, I can tell you after this quarter of a century, this is the least that you do in pastoring. 
Now being, getting prepared to do this is a lot more time. So it may seem pretty simple when you get up here and do this, but it's the time spent. Uh, someone, someone said to me one time, they said, uh, how long did, uh, well, and this was, I, I don't remember who it was, but I've heard this many times. So, you know, sometimes someone would compliment you and say, that message really blessed me. And then they'd ask me, said, how long did it take you to prepare for something like that? I said, 25 years. <laughs> right? Where you have different craftsmen like you. I mean, Bill's sitting here, so he's, he's a mechanic. And so sometimes the fix on your car could be, could be relatively simple. I mean, it could just be, you know, one knob being turned this way or just make a little adjustment this way. And then <clears throat> he may charge you two, three, four, five hundred dollars, six hundred dollars, and he might be through in 15 minutes. And you say, well, that doesn't seem right that he would charge me four or five hundred dollars uh, when he spent 30 minutes. Well, it wasn't the 30 minutes that equal the five hundred dollars. It's that he knew which knob to turn. <laughs> he knew which one to twist. And, and, and the 30 years of knowledge is what brought the process down so low, you know. So that's what's, that's what's going on here. So, we, so we, need, we need wisdom, we need knowledge, we need understanding, but with, you only have wisdom when you take the knowledge and you apply it, which is comprehension, and then that becomes the wisdom to you. And the Bible says that Jesus was the wisdom of God. What does that mean? Jesus is God applied. You know, God said, uh, God said, uh, I love you. Well, you can say that's knowledge if you never heard it, but you can die and go to hell with that knowledge. Right. How many know God loves us? But if, if that's where God stopped, we'd still die and go to hell. And if that's where we stop, but God didn't stop there. He said, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son to whoever believeth him and not perish shall have everlasting life. So he gave us the knowledge. He gave his son. And then we had to believe that and we had to receive that. When we did, we re that became the wisdom of God to us. And you were born again and became a new creature in Christ Jesus. So Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God applied to your life. So that's why he said, if you hear my words and understand them and apply them, he says, this, it will become wisdom and it will promote you and it will exalt you and your life, your life is getting ready to change. Amen. And he didn't say if you live in the United States. You know, I mean, the Lord made the earth. Yes. You know, and, and I know there's, we got so many denominations that won't be in heaven. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but how many know this, uh, the Lord made the earth, right? Amen. And he didn't make denominations, he has a church. That's right. So, we, we, we may not all agree on everything, but how many agree that this is the earth? Amen. Well, that was about third of you. Praise the Lord. I've always said good to have you from your planet. Hope there was room to park your ship out there. <laughs> and uh, did you wash your hands before you came today? <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's just let's dive in. Well, uh, we won't. I, I don't want to get in. I don't have time for where was that last week? But uh, the. Uh, Proverbs 20, 19, of course, is, is a key uh, verse in that. It said, well, there's no vision, the people perish. Or, well, there's no vision. That word is revelation. So, see, vision comes from God. So, anything that comes from God is revelatory. 
Knowledge can be learned from individuals or from school or from universities. But when God gives wisdom, what he gives is revelation. Remember Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, he prayed that the spirit of wisdom and revelation of him, that we would have an understanding of that. So he wanted us to understand the wisdom. He wanted us to understand the call. He wanted us to understand, and that's Ephesians 1, 16 through 22, that prayer, that we would have, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would know the hope to which he's called us, that you would know the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that you would know the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to his working power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in heaven places and far above all things in heaven and earth. So in that prayer in Ephesians 1, 16 through 22, there was three components to that, that we have a spirit of wisdom, revelation, knowledge of him, that we would know the hope to which you're called, that you would know the glory that, uh, of your inheritance. How many know you have an inheritance Amen. in him? Amen. How many do you have a good inheritance? Amen. You know, God didn't pl- uh, have inheritance for you on barely get along street down there. Brother Hagin just said, well, God, this is what Brother Hagin just said. God didn't give you an inheritance of barely get along down at Grumble Alley <laughs> and trying to get by a street. No, he has a, he has a good plan and a good inheritance for you, but your inheritance is in him. And you're in him. You have an inheritance in God and you're in him. How many know that you're in Christ? So if you don't like how you look today, it's because you ain't been looking at him lately because you're in him. Amen. Most people just need to have have a good funeral, go to a good funeral. It's called theirs. Amen. They need to die first. So where there's no vision or revelation, people perish. And if there's no vision coming from the pulpit, people look for another parish. That's just a little joke anyway. Uh, we said this last week, that sight, physical sight of the, the, the eye, the natural eye, the optic nerve, physical sight is the function of the eyes. Where vision is a function of your heart. Thank God for physical vision, but greater than that is the vision of the heart. I know you're probably well familiar with the story, but there was a woman born a number of years ago in 1880, somewhere around there. Her name was Helen Keller. Everyone ever studied Helen Keller? Well, she became very sick at 18 months of old with a fever, contracted some type of disease, and she became blind, deaf, and a mute. And most people who become blind, deaf, and mute don't do much with their life, but she decided not that to let her be her destiny. She decided to pursue with everything her God-given gifts, and um, she, had, she had lots of struggles in life. And, uh, and she, was, you know, she learned the whole Braille system, how to read, and she communicated. And she, uh, and she uh, through that, she wrote a series of uh, books and poetry that, that still blesses the earth today. And uh, this is kind of a bad joke, but... They asked me, the guy said one time, they said, did y'all know how, you, how they disciplined her as a child when she acted up? And I said, no. They said they were, she, they were, the, her parents rearranged the furniture. And I said, no, that's the bad. Just take it off the table. <laughs> no, but they, uh, 
she, she went on to, 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 to bless and use her God-given talents. And so they, in an interview, on, a, on an interview one time, true story, they asked her, they said, Miss Keller, is there anything worse than being blind or deaf or mute? Is there anything worse than being blind? She, she thought a minute, and through the Braille system, she, she answered, she says, the only thing I know worse than being blind is to have sight, but you still can't see. So sight is the function of the eyes, but vision is the function of your heart. So vision, so vision is revelatory. So what is vision? Well, vision is seeing the future before it comes to pass. Now that would be, we won't go there, but that'd be Hebrews 11.1, 1, where faith is the substance of things what? Hope for, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Not seen yet. They already exist, but you just haven't saw them in the physical realm. Amen. How many believe in angels? But do you physically see one today? I mean, let me know if you do just at any time. You can just, I give you the, uh, you know, the, the go ahead. Just say there's two of them right over there. Now, <clears throat> if you see them. Amen. Well, here's the deal. So faith is the substance of the things that we, we hope for. I mean, there's no faith until you have hope. So faith gives substance to the thing that you're hoping for, but faith is the evidence. The, one translation said it is the title deed. It is the absolute evidence of that which you're hoping for exists. God taught Abraham how to call things that be not as though they were. In other words, you couldn't see it, you couldn't touch it, you couldn't taste it, you couldn't feel it. It wasn't in the physical sense realm. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Amen. If you spend all Saturday long and you take a tiller or a plow or a tractor or whatever and you plant, uh, you know, you till the ground and you get the debris out and the rocks and the sticks and you come and you put the good seed and you put it in there and you water it and you fertilize it and you cover it all up and you water the ground. How many know whether it's going to take four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it takes, whatever you plant, how many know there's going to be a harvest? Amen. So you could almost say, Man, we're going to have, we got taters and we got corn and we got green beans and we got cantaloupes. We got all this. And someone come along and say, I don't see anything. <laughs> so they could deny the very fact that you have a garden. But just because you can't see on the outside doesn't mean there's not something growing down beneath the dirt. Amen. Right? Amen. Just because the world can't see what you're talking about does not mean it doesn't exist. <clears throat> How many of you ever saw your brain physically? I haven't. <laughs> But how many, I believe when you got one of those things. I got more hands that time, y'all. <laughs> Amen. I knew y'all were smart, good looking and smart. You put that together, you can do anything. So vision is the ability to see farther than your eyes can look. Did you hear that? Vision through the imagination is the ability to see further than your eyes can look. I, I was reading a story a number of years ago. About a, about a family, I, they, and this little girl was about three and a half years old, and they were, uh, got on a cruise ship, true story, and I forgot where they were going to, but um, everybody was saying goodbye at the port, and they were pulling off a little bit, and everybody was at the, you know, at the, at the railing, and they were just like, uh, and they, you know, crowding away. The little girl couldn't see nothing, and she getting frustrated, and she just, she kind of pulled on her dad's trousers, and she said, Daddy, 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 can't see, can't see, can't see. So he picked her up and put it on his shoulder and she's, she's looking around and she went, oh, and she said, whoa, 
He said, she said, Daddy, look. Daddy, look. He said, what is it? She said, Daddy, look. Daddy, look. He said, well, what is it, baby? She said, Daddy, Daddy, look. What is it? He said, what is it? She said, I can see farther than my eyes can look. <laughs> she saw the ocean and she saw you know, the land as they were pulled away from it and the people waving and she never has saw the vastness and the beauty of the ocean from that perspective. And I believe she described vision. Amen. I can see more and further than my eyes has ever had the ability to look. Amen. Amen. So vi vision is the ability to see farther than your eyes can look. Vision makes the unseen visible and the unknown possible. Now, why do we need a vision? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Well, it's because God doesn't really speak to you about where you are. God's, if it was football, he's, he'd be the quarterback. And he's, already, and he's already made the play. And if it's going to be a little jet out and I'll catch you across the middle, I mean, the quarterback never throws the ball to where you are. He throws the ball to where you're supposed to be. You want to know where your provision is for your vision? It's where you're supposed to be. Amen. Huh? For every vision from God, and I'm getting way ahead of myself, is provision. And the reason why some people aren't getting provision is because they're involved in somebody else's vision. And God has never, never has to write a check for something that he never provide or provide for something he never called you to do. Amen. The vision always has provision. Matter of fact, God never called you to do anything that he hasn't already completed and finished. The way God works is that he, he has a person but before that person comes into the earth, he has a plan. There's no such thing as someone's born and then God says, you know, what are we going to do with, with Billy Bob here? No, there's a plan, then, then there's a Billy Bob. That's a fictitious name, by the way. Uh, you know, or if you're from the north, watch me, but you, if you're George, you know. But anyway, no, there's, there's the plan and then there's the person. But God completes the entire task of their life in every intersection of your life where you have need for the vision, for the plan of your life. God has already went ahead of you and provided for you. He already went and put people in your life. Huh? He's put people in our lives. Uh, you know, you're, you're not going to get in life and do what you're supposed to do without other people. You're going to need to intersect with other people. Did you know that? It's just like eagles. You know, you know what one of the, eagles are amazing, amazing creatures. And if you ever, how many of you ever saw a vision, not a vision, but you ever went to the zoo or somewhere and you saw the eagles at the zoo? Anyone ever saw eagles? Yeah. I think last time we did, we was in Tennessee, we was at Dolly Parton's thing, and, and uh, I told them I needed to meet with her and she didn't show up. But anyway, uh, so I uh, said, <laughs> so why don't you just go look at some eagles? <laughs> I said, so Dolly's not going to want to meet me? Well, it hadn't happened yet. <clears throat> so now he's looking at the eagles. And uh, I noticed they weren't in there with hawks or crows or sparrows or ducks. They were there by themselves. You know, they have a wingspan. Can be anywhere from 6 to 12 feet. 
depending on the age of that animal. But the most distinguishing thing about an eagle is its vision. An eagle has the ability to see, they soar higher than any bird, and they have very clear vision, much greater than any human. They can see a small little field rat five miles away. So, you know, I hate for the field rat because, he, I mean, from five miles away, he doesn't even know his breakfast yet. <laughs> but the eagle does. So he has an amazing ability to be able to fly and to soar far above. So you never see eagles hanging out with other birds. Because the eagle knows he's the top bird. And so he, he's the leader. And when you're a leader and you have vision, you, you love all people, but you want to hang out with other leaders. So when you have vision, you want to hang out with other people who are visionaries. Because iron will sharpen iron. So if you're flying in life and you keep in running, if you were an eagle, if you, if you were an eagle, as an example, and you're flying in life and you keep running into pigeons, you know what the problem is? You're flying too what? You're flying too low. So if you run into a blue jay, you're, you're way low. So if everyone in your life is complaining and they're always grumbling and, you know, murmuring and they're in strife, you're, you're flying in the wrong place. Hmm? You will attract the kind of person you are. Amen. You will attract the kind of people. To, I mean, it's, you could call it the law of attraction, but the, the deal is that visionaries need other visionaries. Walt Disney was sitting one day in his park and it was highly undeveloped, and he was looking at the, you know, he was looking at the mountain there, and, uh, and one of the employees said, "What are you, what are you looking at, Mr. Disney?" And he said, "I'm looking at Stone Mountain." And uh, so he began to get his engineers out, and he, he told them of, of a plan that he had. He had a vision of, anyone ever been to Stone Mountain saw? He had that vision of it, just sitting there looking at a mountain. And so uh, they went to work on it, drew up the plans, began to work on it, but Mr. Disney passed away before it was ever completed. The governor was there, the mayor was there at the open ceremony. Uh, Miss Disney was there, and they said that the uh, mayor and governor said some words, and then the guy who ran the sort of overseer of the park, he got up and, and uh, spoke kind words about Mr. Disney, but he told Miss Disney before she came to speak, he says, it's very sad that Mr. Disney couldn't be here to see this mountain, to see, you know, what it would look like. And she got up, and she was very kind. She said, young man, she said, I, I appreciate everything you said about my husband, but I must correct you. She said, my husband did see, Stone, did see Stone Mountain, otherwise you wouldn't be looking at it today. <laughs> she saw it before anybody saw it. Why? Because he was a person of vision. So people with vision, they see things that people without vision don't see. If you're going to live in the physical, you're going to see obstacles. If you're going to live in the physical being, you're always going to see problems. If all you're seeing is problems and obstacles, you're is telling us that you're not living by faith and you're not living with vision. Vision is of the heart. Sight is of the eyes. 
So you can just live a physical sight and you can make decisions based on, I guess I'll do this. I'm going to have to do this because I don't have the money. Or I, I guess I can only do this because I don't have the education. I guess I'm not going to do this because my, my country's poor. Or you can say, my God has supplied all my need according to his riches and glory. Notice he didn't put any region, state, country on it. God is a God of faith. And there is no, uh, you know, there is, there's no respecter of persons of God. So if you love God, you believe God, and you put God's word in your heart, if you store the word of God in your heart, you can, uh, I caught writing faith checks. Now, if you store a little bit of word in your heart, you're not, your check that you're going to write by faith is not going to be that much. Now, let me, I, I said that, but let me, let me explain that because, I mean, I, I've learned over the years. Do not write faith checks. Some people through the years when faith was being taught a whole lot in the 80s and 90s, they, they, they took words and they just really said, oh, well, we just believe God for anything. I'll, I'll write this check for you know, $5,000 and by, by faith, it'll be good. Well, <clears throat> you, can go to faith, you can go to jail without faith. <laughs> no, God didn't tell you to write hot checks. So I just wanted to explain that because, you know, sometimes you don't think you have to explain, but believe me, you need to explain. <clears throat> Amen. And I, and I don't do bail for people. I'm just letting y'all know, don't call me at two in the morning. So if you do that, you're on your own. We'll bring you some chicken two or three days later, but anyway, just hallelujah. Um, so he, why do we need vision? Because God, once again, never speaks about where you are. He speaks about where you're supposed to be. Because where you're going in life is more important than where you are. Where you're going is more important than where you are. You say, well, I made some mistakes that got me off my path, and now I'm way out of the way. Well, that's okay. You've done that driving a car, haven't you? That you was traveling, you got on the wrong road, and maybe went 10, 5, 20, 30, 40, even 40 miles. You know, don't raise your hand if you went two or 300 miles. But anyway, just... But, you know, as soon as you understand that and you correct that, and you get off maybe the interstate and you make the correction, you're on the right path. It doesn't mean that you're where you need to be, but you're headed in the direction that you're supposed to be. So vision is important because it's not where you are, it's where you're headed. Vision is about where you are headed. Habakkuk 2, we won't go there, read it last week. He said, write the vision for it will speak. It will surely speak. And he says, it has an appointed time. It will speak and it will not lie. And the just shall live by faith. So um, God spoke this with Jeremiah to Jeremiah. We won't go there, but Jeremiah 1, the first chapter there, God spoke to Jeremiah and he called him and, and to, be a, to, to be a prophet. And Jeremiah was young. He says, I can't be a prophet. He said, I can't speak. He said, I stutter. I can't this and I can't that. And God was just sitting there waiting for him to, well, I want to say shut up, but I won't say that. <clears throat> so I'll just say be quiet. And he said, don't tell me what you're not. He said, I've ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. And so God took a coal and he touched it to his mouth. And Jeremiah became the, the man that God said that he was. See, God speaks the end of a matter from the very beginning. Amen. And when God completes your entire life, 
then he goes back and creates you and gets you started. Amen. We, we've told this before, the true story. I think every car manufacturer does this. I just read this years ago from Ford. When Ford comes out with a new car, I'm sure every manufacturer does this, but <clears throat> the story was about Ford. They said, <clears throat> and it was uh, years ago, they said when the Ford Taurus, and that tells you how old the story was, when it came out, Ford keeps five years worth of parts in the inventory at all times. But it was five years before the first Taurus was ever, before number one came out on the assembly line. Because if you're going to make a million Tauruses, and how many know you could have a broken down part? How many know a radiator could go bad? Right? You, you could need a, uh, you know, a generator, an alternator. You could need something like that. You could need a transmission. Well, that's not the time to go make one. So they, they have a supply of parts in storage before this car ever hits the assembly line. So once the parts was ready, they went back and started and created the first automobile. God had a plan for your life, and he, he, he fulfilled the whole plan from beginning to end. And when it was completed, he went back and created you. You was born, and you entered into life. So if you're at a place that you feel like you're stuck, you don't know how to go forward, then you got to go back and say, God, what did you provide for me in 2020 July, on July the 12th? Where's the answer to this? Because it's, it's already here. Help me to see what I can't see with my physical eyes. Help me to see with my heart, by vision, by revelation, that which you've already done and planned for me for this day. And uh, so this, God did the same thing with Abraham. God did the same thing with Gideon and his people. An angel visited Gideon, and he said, he said Hail thou, my, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon was looking behind him to see who the angel was talking to. He said, who me? He said, you. And he told him how he was going to use him to, to help his people and how the army that would be coming against him, that God had a plan and they would prevail. And here is God calling Gideon a mighty man of valor. And Gideon, he's, he's terrified and he's shaking in his boots. Amen. Well, you know, this is something I said I would never do. You know, that's that's the old story. I mean, I just I, I never would take classes uh, in high school where I had to do any public speaking. I elected to be take a failing grade. I, I elected to go to summer school so I would not have to do an oral book report. She said, what's the big deal? I said, I can't speak. And I said, I, and I'll never need to because I'm going to work for Alabama Power Company. So I'm never going to need to speak anyway. And she said, you mean you're going to actually fail this whole semester and go to summer school? And I says, you can go ahead and write the F down now because I'm not going to do it. And I went to summer school because I knew summer school, you didn't have to do that. But I knew I would never have to speak publicly. <clears throat> so we know, we know I'm not God, right? <laughs> of course, that was never up for debate, was it? <clears throat> Number two, you need to have a big vision. Now, it comes in steps, but you need to have a big vision. I always say it this way. If your vision is something you could do without God, be done in a week, you didn't get it from God. God's going to give you something that you don't know how to do, how to start, how to fund it, who to get to help you. All he says is, go do this. Do this for my people. And you say, 
Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, okay, then. <laughs> like with what, when, where, how? <laughs> that ever happened to anybody in this room? Yeah, of course it has. So you're not going to outspend God? I mean, a number of years ago, the Lord told me to do something and Oral Roberts was still alive. I said, Lord, Lord is there any money left? I, I think Benny Hinn and Oral Roberts got all of it. <laughs> if not, but Brother Copeland, you know, he, I know he's next in line, so you, you won't even know who I am. <clears throat> but I found out that, that you can't tap God out. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Ephesians 3.20 says that, that, that we'll, we can do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the what? Power that worketh in you. So it's in, it's, it's in proportion to the power that's working in not God, but in you. In you. You see, we're, we're really receiving everything that we can for where we are. Actually, and this is not a, a, a this is not a, a the statement I want to make is not any thing of condemnation. This is just a, a fact for anybody. In, in every church, the church actually determines what will be taught. It's not that the teacher may not know more, but the congregation can only receive where it's at, what it will receive. In other words, Jesus told his disciples, he said, I have many things to say to you, but you're not ready to hear them. And when you're not ready to hear them, there's no utterance for it. Jesus left his own hometown because no one could receive what he had to say. He said, I could, do a mighty, I, I could have done a mighty work, but I'd not be able to do a mighty work. So he had to go somewhere else because they could not receive his words. They would not receive him. So you determine the level of teaching. You determine the level of ministry that goes forth in this pulpit. You do. More than the teacher does. So we need to have a big vision. You know, a big, a big vision will propel you. It'll put your eyes off you, put your eyes on God. Amen. So <clears throat> God is not just for emergencies and problems. The just shall live by faith. Your vision determines your destiny. Remember in Numbers 13? They're supposed to go and take the land. Moses sent out spies to see which way they would go. And they came back. And the Bible said they brought back a what? An evil report of the land. All 12 said the, God, the, the land is just like God said. The problem is it has inhabitants that are, he says, in, the inhabitants of, of the Canaan land is, is so, is the, the, the land's beautiful. They brought back, remember, a cluster of grapes. I mean, they have two men on a pole holding grapes. I mean, I went to Publix and I never can't, had to have two people, you know, some grapes. They just put it in little bags and they said, Shopping for your pleasure. I said, that ain't, well, that ain't Kenya land. No, so they said it's exactly like God said it was, but we can't do that. We can't do what God said because these people, I mean, it's kind of hilarious. They've already come through the Red Sea, right? They said there's giants over there. They've come through the Red Sea. They, all the 10 plagues of Israel, uh, I, I mean, excuse me, of Egypt. And through the Red, did I mention the Red Sea? Just want to make sure I did mention the Red Sea. They came to the Red Sea and they said, we can't go there because then people are tall. <laughs> people are tall. And they said, and then they started name calling, but they started the name calling. And they said, we are grasshoppers in their sight. Well, they didn't call them. 
the people of Canaan didn't call them that. They called themselves grasshopper, grasshoppers. So your vision will determine your destiny. Vision is the key to the future because sight, once again, is function of the eyes and vision of the heart. And then number three, your vision lies within you. It's not somewhere else. Somebody else doesn't have it. You don't need to be somebody else. If you try to become someone else, then the, if, you know, I see this a lot of time, even in ministry, in music ministry. It, 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 and it's good to have people who, you know, that we look to and we admire and all that. But you got some people say, I want to sing just like her, sing like him or play the so-and-so, you know, the organ or the guitar or the drums or whatever it is. And you, we have too many people who want to be somebody else. But you're unique. God made you the way he wants to make you. If you want to really give God a compliment, then be the best you that he made you. Paul said it's not good to compare yourself with others. He said this is not wise. So God made you unique. And when you are who you are, you give God more glory that way than if you try to become someone else. And if you're trying to be someone else, then the best you can ever be is second best because you're, you're not the first one. So your future lies within you. It's not, a, it's not, <clears throat> it's not ahead of you, but rather it's within you. Uh, the chores you take and act on today will create your tomorrow. The plans that you put in action today will create your tomorrow. Isaiah said, if you're willing to be obedient, you're going to eat the good of the land. Number four, you are perfect for your vision. You are perfect for your vision. Can you accept that by faith? Yes. See, don't point out all your flaws because <clears throat> we all have flaws. We all do. We all, we all have things about us that we wish it wasn't this way, it was that way. But you are perfect for the vision God's created you for. Psalms 139, 14, he, said, uh, he says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That, that whole chapter is one of my most favorite chapters in the entire Bible. Psalms 139, how God framed you and made you and created you. The whole chapter, he knew you. By, Psalms 139 said he knew you before you was in your mother's womb. Amen. Now, you say, how does he do that? Now, I don't know. You, I think you're going to have to wait till you get to heaven. And if someone tells you they know how, um, well, I think you have to go, have to be in heaven and figure that one out. Well, he knew you before you was even created in your mother's womb. So certainly he knows how to get you from here to there Amen. on this side, can he? Amen. So we're fearfully and wonderfully made. So God has given us everything that we need for what we are called to do. This is not the season to complain. This is not the season to hate yourself. This is the season to discover yourself. Man. Discover who you already are. Find out who you are. Don't put yourself down. When you, really, when you're putting your, yourself down, you're putting God's handiwork down. The Bible says we are his workmanship. We are his handiwork. That word workmanship really is the word poem. God wrote a poem. You're that poem. 
and the world's reading you everywhere you go. So when God puts you out there, you're the poem of God. You're artistry to the world. You are poetic to the world. Let God speak to the world through your life. You are his workmanship, his beauty. So we need to discover ourselves, not hate ourselves. <clears throat> you have to have much purpose. Purpose is, when we'll get into this a little later on, is the reason why. You have to have purpose. And, uh, and we should never die before you're finished. Notice Jesus said, I don't know if I'm about this before, that really when Jesus said those words, it's finished. What was he talking about? The reason it came. That was purpose. In his words, it is finished. Here's what he didn't say. I'm finished. He said it, the plan, the purpose, the vision, the call of God, it's finished. Not I'm finished. You ought to live full. And die empty. Live full. And die empty. Number five, vision requires action to become a reality. We'll ask the question, vision, what do you see? Purpose is why you see it. Vision is what you see, purpose is, purpose is why you see it. Goals are how you're going to get from here to there. So if you're going to get there in a week, I said a while ago, you can do it in a week without God. I don't believe it's from God. So what is vision again? Well, you could say it's a picture of a preferred future. God gives you a picture of your future, a preferred future. Uh, we, we were talking about this last week about we all have pictures, you know, whether they're in a box or a photo album and we have them on our walls of our family members or trips that we've taken with fa friends, family, who, you know, and we, we can look back and we can remember and we can cherish and some might bring tears of joy and, you know, and we have, we, we, we kind of have like a wall of memories of the past. But vision is always ahead. So if we're going to have, if we're going to have a vision wall of the past, why don't we have a vision wall of the future? You know why we don't reach our goals very often? We don't have a picture in front of us of the future. We just all have all past pictures. This is when we went down to the beach, Myrtle, in 1943. You remember in your dad's 1943 rutabaga? In the old DeSoto, before there was air conditioning. How many of your parents told you how they walked to school barefooted in the snow, through the briars, uphill both ways, <laughs> back home uphill? Yeah. I asked my mother one time, I said, so they said that was the good old days. She said, they weren't. <laughs> I said, they weren't? She says, no, there was nothing good about it much. <laughs> she said, I worked on a farm. Could only go to school sometimes. Because my dad was never home. Had four girls. And she said it was basically survival. She said, I plowed a mule. 
She said, we had chickens and we had cows and we had pigs and we had eggs and we churned butter. And she said, the only dress that I had for church or if I went to school was a burlap sack from the feed store. I said, air conditioning? She said, what's that? <laughs> so she said, not, not the good old days. Amen. Now the values were, a lot of them, we've lost some moral ground, haven't we? But we're in the, we're in the latter days. We're in the latter days. He didn't say get better and better. He said get worse and worse. But don't have to change you. Hmm? Why? Because you're the workmanship. You're the poem. Everywhere you go, they're reading you. Amen. I can't, if they don't like poems, that's their problem. Hallelujah. Roses are red, violets are blue. Here's my poem. You know, let it come on to you. I don't know. Just hallelujah. So the vision is a picture of the future. It's seeing tomorrow from today. That gives you hope. You might be in a bad place today. You may not be happy about something in your life. You may not feel good today. You might have had a doctor's report. You might have had a financial struggle you're going through. You might have a, a family issue. But if you go to the Word of God, look at the promise. And if you stay in the promise, you, you can't come out of the... People say, well, I'm just so depressed. I said, well, just spend some time in the presence of God. Amen. Spend some time worshiping and praising God. I've never heard them say, well, I just been in the presence of God for two hours, and, I, and I'm so depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Hagin had eight visions in his lifetime where he saw Jesus. And he said, every time I did the same thing, he said, first thing I did is he, he said, I fell to my feet. And Jesus told him in some of those visions, he says, get up. And he says, I, I, I fell to my, Brother Hagin said, I, I fell to his feet and I crossed my hands and put my head on my hands and I put my hands on his feet. And Jesus said, get up, stand up. He said, I can't, Lord Jesus. He said, he says, he said, I said, stand up. And Brother Hagin said, but, but I can't, Lord Jesus. I'm not worthy to look at your face. He said, I said, stand up for my blood has made you worthy. Amen. I said, and we asked him, he said, what do you do? He said, I, I stood up. <laughs> you stood up. It's time for us to stand up. Amen. The blood has made you worthy. Hallelujah. You're God's best and highest idea. They asked the question in Psalms 8, what is man that you're mindful of him, that you created him such glory and such honor? Mm. So vision is seeing tomorrow from today. It's seeing the end from the beginning. Vision is seeing the ultimate purpose of your life in its existence today. Vision also gives us direction. It's a roadmap for your life, your purpose, and your destiny. Vision will also evoke within you passion, excitement. It, it, it gets you up in the morning. Vision does. See, I, I always said a lot of people die too early. It's not because, well, we, we, we got the... You know, we, we got the gimpy leg and the bad leg and, the, and whatever, and that took us out. A lot of people leave the life early, not because they run out of health always. It's because they ran out of vision. Hmm? There's no, no need to live to be 100, 120 if you're just going to be critical and mean. Have you met some young, some young mean people? Have you met some elderly, old mean people? 
I mean, they're really crusty. <laughs> you know, as you get older anyway, I mean, some people think as people get older, they, they get a little mean. No, we're not mean. We just aged a little bit. We're like the wine. We're, we're actually better. You all just don't know it. It's just when we was 25 or 30, it took us two, three paragraphs to say something. And right now, after 50 or 60, we can say it like that. You got it? <laughs> so it does. Some of the charm wears off after 50. We just, we just get to the punchline. Amen. You know, it's like Peter. When he, when he was drowning, he didn't, he didn't try to go into an essay telling Jesus. He said, Lord, help me. You know why I said help? He was drowning. He didn't have time to say nothing else. And the Lord helped him. So vision will evoke passion with you, which is a very strong emotion. It's a positive emotion. The clearer the vision, the stronger the passion. Vision will motivate you. It'll get you up in the morning and keep you up late at night. You see, I read four to six books a month. I don't know, and I wouldn't tell you if I'd, how much time I prayed. It didn't really matter. They asked me, I asked Smith Wigglesworth one time, how long do you pray? They thought he prayed, you know, 15 hours a day. He said, about 20 minutes. They said, 20 minutes? The kind of life and ministry you have, you raised 13 people from the dead, you only pray 20 minutes? He says, yeah, about 20 minutes. He said, but I just don't ever go 20 minutes without praying. <laughs> what is he saying? I stay in the spirit of prayer. All times. Well, that's what passion does. It, 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 it evokes that strong emotion in you and it motivates you and it encourages you. It'll get you past the hard places. Because if you're, if you're stuck looking at obstacles, you're taking your eyes off him. If, you're looking at your, if you are looking at your situation, you, what we're doing is we're saying we're not looking at him because we're looking at us. And it's not about us, it's about him. Amen. Y'all all right? We're almost through here. Vision will help you prioritize your time. Because you only have 24 hours. And we're running out of it real fast. Vision will give you the proper values to prioritize your time and your schedule. You need to know that because you need to know what to say no to. Well, we need you to run so-and-so this year. Well, let's see. This is the plan God gave me for this year. And so the answer might have to be no. Might be a good thing, but it may not be your, your thing that you're supposed to do. When you understand the vision and, and you understand the values and the priorities that you have and the goals that you have, it helps you to say what to say no to. Hmm? Vision uh, disciplines your actions and behavior and determines your values and protects you from total failure and falling. And finishing this morning, we'll say it this way. The fulfillment of vision is the key to true happiness in life. Anybody want to be happy? Amen. 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 And it's never too late to become who you really are. Amen. When you have vision, you have wisdom and knowledge and understanding. You get the knowledge, which is information. You get the understanding, which is comprehension. And then you apply that, you have now put wisdom into work and, and wisdom shall now exalt you. 
and she shall promote you. So you can be promoted anytime that you want to be. Go for the information, get it, read it, go over it, study it until you comprehend it so that you can apply it to your life. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Hmm? Applied. Applied. So we can do that ourselves. Amen. Well, I hope that helped you. Helped me. Praise the Lord. We're going to stay on this for, for a little while. God's got a big plan for your life. Got a big plan for your life. Got good things ahead of you. Amen. Big things ahead for you. How many are ready for them? How many want to do more, see more, help more than you've ever done before? Amen. God's able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. How many, how many got some big thinkers in here? Huh? Amen. How many, if, if, if someone gave you a million dollars, you'd know what to do with it? Yes, sir. How many you think you might even get through two or three of them? <laughs> or more. Praise the Lord. You say, why are you talking about money? Well, see, Brother Copeland always said it this way. He said, money is the lowest form of power on earth. It is. Prayer is the highest form. Because money makes a lousy God. But how many know money is important? Solomon said, the book of Solomon said, Proverbs said, money answers all matters. It may not be the right answer, but it answers. Right? So, <clears throat> I always said, I know people say, well, <clears throat> now, uh, you never hear a rich person say that money, money doesn't, ain't important. You, you always hear poor people say that. So, we know, we know money is not the most important, but how many know it's kind of up there with oxygen? <laughs> Y'all use oxygen every now and then to breathe, right? With money, you can bless. You can help. You can be a distributed center. You can send money to the four corners of the earth. You can bless your family, right? You can bless the community. You can bless the church. You can, you can help other people with their goals and their success and their dreams. You could act, you say, I paid my house up. You could pay somebody else's off. Amen. Man, wouldn't that be fun? I mean, I had so much fun just, you know, just here we are in a little two light town in the state of Alabama and just had the pleasure of just totally remodeling a church in Africa from right here. You know how long it took to wire that money? Just five minutes. You're sitting right here and, and, and you wire the money and within an hour without buying lumber, pulling out red, red, uh, Zinc. Zinc. <laughs> Zinc. Amen. Amen. So that's fun. That's exciting to be a part of the answer, to be a part of the solution. So God's going to send people into your life just like that. Amen. Because that's what eagles do. Eagles have these, I forget what they call them, uh, uh, the bones in their wings that are very strong and that they can actually fly through a hurricane. And they're so strong. And the eagle will purposely use the hurricane, the winds of the hurricane, to go higher. So once again, if you keep running into pigeons and crows, you're flying too low. So if you tell me I keep on running into a bunch of numbskulls, flying too low, baby. <laughs> you, need, you need to fly somewhere a little bit higher than where you've been flying. God bless you. Amen. Amen.